Hello, friends. How are you? And let me ask that a different way. Today, how do I find you? How are you showing up in your space? And how are you as you show up here to this space? I think about you all the time, and I wonder how you are doing. How are your days? How are your relationships? I'm thinking about you and praying for you. Some of you praying for you by name with your specific situation. So I realize I spend a lot of time here talking about safe spaces and community. And so today I wanted to flip that, the other side of the coin, and talk about a situation in the Bible where somebody was not in community and what happened there. So if you want to grab your Bible, we're going to be in the book of Genesis. Grab a notebook, take a couple notes, and let's see why community is so important. Hey mama, welcome to Intimacy After Infidelity. Do you find yourself Googling, can a marriage survive infidelity? Or what's the first step to divorce? Do you wake up full of hope, only to end the day with more shame when there's another stupid argument again? Hey, I'm Christina Joy, forgiven daughter of Jesus. I too felt the shame of infidelity and wished someone had a roadmap for how to get out of the mess so I could experience freedom. I kept telling myself I just needed to try harder to end the affair and fix my marriage until I found I needed Jesus to heal some deep wounds in my heart. Through prayer, lots of research, and developing new healthy habits, I was able to find healing to shed my shame once and for all. Now I'm excited to share everything I've learned with you. So find your safe space and pop in that earbud. Let's rebuild your life and marriage better than it's ever been. All right, let's jump right in today. If you have your Bible, turn to Genesis chapter 3, right at the very beginning. I'm going to read a couple verses here. Genesis 3, 1 to 5. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now, often we read the story and we get into those details of, oh, thanks Adam and Eve for bringing the first sin into the world, disobeying God, and, and all of those important and surface level details. But I want to draw your attention to another perspective of this story. Satan here, our enemy, he does a couple things even way back in Genesis, that he has continued to do throughout history. If there's anything I've learned recently, it is that our enemy has a plan, a strategy, a scheme. He's very crafty. Even Genesis uses that word. He's crafty 
And I would also add an opportunist. He can't actually create anything. Let me remind you, before we get into this discussion about our enemy, Satan is nowhere near as powerful as God. He cannot create. He cannot be everywhere at the same time. He doesn't know everything. However, he is smart and he is crafty. He, he knows how to use what he has. So here in this situation, he has a woman. Specifically, her name was Eve. And he speaks only to the woman. We don't know where Adam was. Maybe he was around the corner. Maybe he was far away. We don't know. But what we are told is that he was only speaking to the woman. So Eve was isolated. Isn't that what the enemy wants to do? Is to get you isolated, alone, in a couple ways. Like your thoughts, your thinking all to yourself but also your physical proximity to somebody else. Maybe you have stopped making it to church. Maybe you don't have a good relationship with your neighbors or your immediate family. So your internal world, your thoughts, and physical proximity, Satan wants to get you isolated and alone. And like I started this episode with, I said I talk a lot about community. So, something to be aware of in your own life. Okay, second thing from the story in Genesis. Satan makes her question what she heard. And this starts to cause some doubt in her mind. So, Satan questions, did God really say that you can't eat from any tree in the garden? You know, and it starts to make us ask more questions and have more doubt when somebody starts twisting truth and feeding us these lies. I can almost imagine, you know, to continue that conversation with, well, if God really loved you, he wouldn't withhold that from you. And all of these things that, yes, Eve knew that God loved her, But it was twisted. The truth got twisted there. And so she started to doubt. So the enemy wants us to question the truth that we know. Okay, and the third thing here is that our enemy, Satan, made Eve question her identity. And that just brought about all kinds of chaos. She forgot whose she was. She forgot who she was at the core, her true identity. So altogether here, Satan's plan was to disconnect Eve from other people by speaking only to her. Satan's plan was to disconnect her from God by questioning not only what God said, but also whether or not God was really good. And Satan's plan was to disconnect Eve from herself. Again, she forgot her identity and who she was. So disconnecting from others, disconnecting from God, disconnecting from herself, 
Suddenly, Eve found herself in a situation where everything had changed. And shame immediately entered the world. Sister, I wonder, is that true of us? Specifically in a situation where there has been infidelity of any kind. I believe that it starts by being disconnected. And very, very likely disconnected in all three of these ways. I'm sure, I'm positive that you walked through a season of feeling disconnected from yourself. Not really knowing what was going on. Specifically for me and my story, I had had two miscarriages. And I didn't know what was going on. Was I doing something wrong? Was there something wrong with my body? So I started to personally have some inner turmoil that way. So I was disconnected from myself, which started to lead to a disconnection from God. Were my prayers doing anything? Was this a physical issue? You know, what was God's role in that? So I started to doubt God. And I will tell you, when you hold a hard, hard story All of us have many hard stories, but you find that it's really hard to take those stories to other people. You're not really sure how they're going to respond. You're not really sure if it's safe. If you share your emotions with them, are they going to turn away from you? Or will they be uh, just trying to fix the situation? Well, you just need to do this, this, and this, and it'll be better. Are they trying to just say, I'll pray for you. Here's a Bible verse. And they still walk away. So disconnection from self, disconnection from God, disconnection from others. You are exactly where the enemy wants you. Now, I want to add one more verse to this conversation about our enemy. And we're going to wrap it up with some hope. John chapter 10, verse 10. A familiar verse, probably. It says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Well, we very easily skip over that first part. What is it that the thief, our enemy, actually comes to do? Well, steal. I believe that the enemy has come to steal our innocence, our childlike wonder, our play. Satan knows that if he can control a child, he will have them for the rest of their lives. I believe that Satan hates childhood. He wants to steal that away from us especially because Jesus has said that we need to approach him like little children. So if that's what Jesus wants, I have no doubt that that's what Satan hates. So think about how easy it is for children to have creativity and freedom and just belief. Children believe anything. So that is something that Satan wants to steal away from us. I'll tell you, my word of this year is play. 
play and joy and delight and returning back to the safety of childhood. Okay, so the verse again, the thief comes to steal and kill. Okay, what is it that he's trying to kill? Well, it very seriously could be our physical bodies. However, Satan is not able to just kill all of us. So if he can't get to our physical body, I wonder if his plan is to kill desire that's inside of your body. Think about all of your desires to see the world a better place, to have a better marriage, to have a more unified family. If your desire is dead, you cannot create or hope or believe. So much is affected when your desire is gone. But if we have desire, that's where you have hope. Hope awakens something in you and causes you to want more, to desire more. So I believe that the enemy is after our desires. And the last thing, so he comes to steal and kill and destroy. Well, another word for destroy here is also mar, to deform something or to ruin something so that it's not perfect anymore. And the enemy often seeks to mar your face. Your face, which is the place that the glory of God could shine through. Well, how does he get to our face? Well, think about your face when you have these thoughts. Thoughts like, I'm so stupid. You're a liar. Well, that disqualifies me. Ah, I'm just a bad person. All of these thoughts defame you and, and change your face with how you look out. And they keep you from recognizing the glory of God that has been placed within you. Friend, you are not bad. And I'll speak for myself here, my, my own example. I was created to love passionately, to have fun, to laugh, to enjoy life, to feel alive. I was created. All of those things are very good. However, I was invited and then enticed to find, play, and fun outside of the place that was appropriate. So I am not bad. There are good, good things that should be celebrated about me. But just like the enemy deceived Eve and twisted her desires, the same thing for me and the same thing for you. You have good God-given qualities. But we have to be aware if our enemy has invited us to get those desires met in the wrong way. So what are we supposed to do? Friend, I come back to what I started with. Are you in community? If part of your story was broken in community, 
Friend, your healing has to happen in community. Now, if you have safe people at your church or you know locally in your neighborhood that you can meet with and talk with, they can hold your story and walk through this journey with you, praise God. Lean into those people. If you don't have anybody local, friend, reach out to me or come find us in our Facebook community. It is there as a safe place where healing can happen. Trust me, some communities feel like everybody sits around and complains about the same thing and we all just share in the woe is me. Not this place. Not on my watch. God has healing and joy in store for you. But we have to be in community to find that. Friend, sister, I love you. Oh, I wish I could just give you a hug and put my arm around you right now to say I am sorry that the enemy deceived you. But no more. We will shed the light on those lies. We will live in the truth. The enemy no longer has authority here. We live in the authority of God Almighty. So we surrender our lives and our hearts to him. I'm praying for you. Reach out if I can pray for you or encourage you more specifically. Hey mama, I hope today's episode encouraged your heart. If you need to talk about this some more, would you send me a message at christinajoycoaching.com? Also, please take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It thrills my heart to know this podcast is helping you heal your heart so you can shed the shame of your affair. I am cheering for you and I can't wait to hear your story. I'll meet you back here on Tuesdays and Thursdays for another episode. As always, be clothed with strength and dignity and laugh without fear of the future.